0: Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, Dave, and occasionally a special guest here to talk about the club that we love, Tottenham Hotspur. Come on you Spurs, let's go. (sighs) All right, we are live. This is Wicked Spursy. I'm Dave, joined by Steve and Mike and our good friend Brian from Rhode Island. Gentlemen, happy, um, it's still Saturday morning. We are post Leeds match. This is the, the quickest that we have recorded after a match. So I'm very curious what our demeanor is going to be after a stinker like this morning. But uh, first, just want to check in and see how folks are doing. So Brian, let's start with you. How are you, sir?
1: Doing great, man. Uh, pleasure to be back. Um, great job on uh, on the pod since we've last talked. Um, yeah, honestly, everything's pretty phenomenal. Uh, entire group of friends and family are now vaccinated, which is a lovely accomplishment there. And, uh, you know, if It's not going to go back to normal, normal, but I feel like I'm like on a boat off the course, uh, off the coast of normal Island. You know what I mean? Like we can see it from here. Um, So uh, yeah, you guys doing all right? That's a great analogy. And I can't wait to get to normal Island
0: personally. Uh, (laughs) How about Steve? Steve, how are things going, sir?
2: Well, I can't say I've ever even visited normal Island. I've always been kind of on the, uh, you know, maybe sister country of, uh, you know, Weirdsville or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) <laughs> um, but no, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm a solid nine days out for my second dose, super excited for it. You know, everybody's been telling me all the side effects are going to be brutal, but you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> if it means, you know, it, it knocks me on my ass for a couple of days and then I can go back to, you know, ignoring, uh, going out in public for my own personal reasons and not pandemic related reasons. I'll take it. So almost say yeah, you
1: really, get, you get used to the microchip after a while. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I was I was telling uh, one of the guys at the gym this week. Like I've got a I've got a seat at Fourteenth Star with my name on it. I'm mean, gonna order myself a nice uh, raspberry rice, and uh, you know, just enjoy summer for what it is. Maybe I'll get down to a uh, you know our our good friends at Goodwater. I'm sure Mike's got something to say about that. Get some of that cheese sauce. Mike, the my boy, my boys saw Steve uh, with the fantastic
0: handoff to Mike. So Mike, we want to know how you are, and then we want to talk about Goodwater for a moment. Thanks for teeing that up, Steve.
3: Steve, that yeah, that uh, that segue was as smooth as the cheese sauce, baby. So uh, let yeah, let's get started. Let's get started with the uh, with the little plug from Goodwater for Goodwater. Um, last night I went there, had a delicious burger um, with some fries. My son had uh, had the loaded had the loaded pretzel sticks with the, with the cheese sauce, uh, yeah, Amy got a Cobb salad that was just beautiful, and it had, uh, had roasted vegetables in it, um, and, uh, and Lily, of course, is my chicken wing eater, so th- there's, uh, all kinds of different foods you can get there, uh, uh, the atmosphere is great, um, they have two new beers, um, not new, uh, but new this year for the season uh they just put out their uh their pills in there which they did in a small batch last year and uh they have something called the salty Scot, and it's a it's a scottish ale um Mm. that's a like a salted caramel um they they add sea salt to it so it's got that those those notes of caramel that you get in the uh in the scottish ales
1: um Episode 15 of Wicked Spursy brought to you by This Place with the Sauces.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. So, um, yeah, get yourself down to Goodwater. See you. Seriously, is See Mike on Marty the take for this
1: place or what? Hey, oh, we're,
3: yeah.
0: we are—they are our sponsor. official, our official, unofficial sponsor. Yeah, we are given oh, okay. given right. given props. But Mike, I gotta say, man, I think you have a—you got a second career as a brewery tour operator. I want to say you're talking about the the notes of this and that, and you, you got all the uh, all the menu information memorized. I, I get the impression you study the menu quite a bit, and uh, create I those opportunities do. to do so.
3: And, uh, quite honestly, I mean, I could give a shit about the notes and the mouthfeel and all that garbage, but I can tell you that when, when you like a beer, you like a beer and God damn it. I like beer and, uh, no matter what kind of beer it is really, uh, but outside of the sours, I don't, I am not into that kind of stuff. I know Steve likes the vices and stuff. So, um, but outside of that, I'm, I am today, um, down at the soccer fields, the soccer complex at the tree farm in Essex. uh. There's going to be about 300 soccer games going on it looks like today uh all age levels um our good friend kamal's son is playing uh right now and that's where my son is i'm broadcasting from the truck um but uh malachi scored two goals i'm gonna give him a little plug there too uh beautiful beautiful far post left footed kick but um it, it's a great day for a game my son is playing uh, at 11:30 today so um I, it's just a beautiful day here. I'm in a great mood. I woke up in a better, in a better mood than I, than I am now, but hell, you know, I'm not going to let Spurs even ruin
2: this. You know, Good Mike, you. You, you said two things right off the bat. Like first I got to, I got to come to your defense a little bit with the, uh, you know, maybe uh, Dave might call it an overzealous uh, beer plug, but when when Spurs <laughs> play like they do That's today, a great word when Spurs play like they do today, I mean, you kind of need it, right? You got to just go to the bar and, and let that take some of the edge off. Um, but, you know, the other thing that you said, you know, about how it's a great day for a soccer game, I really wish somebody would have tur- told that Spurs team that, because uh, <laughs> it doesn't look like they really showed up for it, right? Oh, no shit. Question. It was rainy.
3: It was rainy as hell, man. And it, it looked it looked miserable out there. Harry Kane looked like he was about 64 years old out there. Trying, yeah, but the crazy trying thing to is waddle it, around the field on his bad ankles.
0: It was raining on both teams, though. You know, I, I did have to remind myself of that—that that both teams were were getting wet. Before we get yeah. into the to today's match, Mike, I want to know: Did the big, scary house cat return to your backyard that you um, were were so frightened of last week?
3: No, I. I you know, I was looking for it this morning, and I said, "You know what? It's probably time to look for the kitty." And Amy was like, "Kitty." And I said, yeah, the bobcat. And she was like, oh yeah, the bobcat. (laughs) That thing was big, Uh, uh, but I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it again, but maybe it's been too early. Who knows? Uh, Maybe he was just hunting in that area. I have no idea, but we have, uh, we definitely have fewer rabbits in the area eating, uh, eating, eating our, our blooms and our, our blossoms off of our uh, off of our blackberry and blueberry bushes that are already popping out. So.
0: All right, let's get to it, fellas. Let's uh, let's talk lineups. What we saw today, outcome. Steve, let's start with you. What uh, what did you think when you saw lineups come out this morning?
2: You know, it, it honestly, it kind of made sense to me. Uh, you know, it, it had worked for Mason for two games in the Premier League. I, you know, he he doesn't strike me as the type of manager who's going to tweak something that seems to be working. Um, personally, and I'm, I'm going to say this again, I really just don't understand his bench at all. It really does feel like he's just picking his, his, you know, friends to sit on the bench and, and you end up with uh, players who really haven't shown all season that they deserve it. You know, like uh, Dave, you had asked us, um, you know, you can make three subs, uh, you know, to impact the game, um, you know, in the middle of it. And, and I had to look and I was like, wait a second, Rodon's not there. Tanganga's not there. You know, Vinicius, for whatever reason, seems to have been vanished. I, I assume it's because his loan's going to end and they're not, you know, bringing him back. Uh, but, like, you know, what has Doherty done to deserve being on the bench? What's Soko done to deserve being on the bench? What's Sanchez done? Like, there's a lot of question marks for me there. Um, and the, the sad truth of the matter is when we got into the game and we desperately needed impact subs – you didn't really have many right you had your lucas your lamella they got their game time and your are who came on way too late to do anything way too late um, it you know it's just kind of disappointing like you know you're, you're almost shooting yourself in the foot there just because you know you you've got a limited bench and you're picking players who haven't shown that they deserve to be on it um would I have changed anything on defense? I mean, I probably would have, but then again, I probably wouldn't have started, you know, dire again.
0: Um, Steve, do you think that the lineup who's on the bench and who's on the field that some of it is putting guys in the shop window to show that they're fit and and maybe look at transfers this summer? Is that maybe a play?
2: Maybe. You see the thing that, I, I think was problematic about that is you know, Mason's picking a lineup that had worked against, you know, two teams in the league before. But what he failed to really consider is that they play different from how Leeds plays, right? Like I we saw against Sheffield's our best defense is a great offense. You know, if you as soon as you start asking any of that back forward to do some defensive duty it all falls apart. We saw that today. It's, it's, you know, been a staple of our season so far Um, and Leeds wasn't going to be a team that was going to let us sit back and and, or they weren't going to sit back and and let us attack them. They were always going to pressure us. And, and, you know, it was a huge mistake. I think um, putting out that same defensive lineup, knowing that Leeds was going to attack. Um, And, you know, you saw it in the game too, as soon as there was any pressure on the ball, Everything just fell apart. You know, we we looked disconnected. There was no link up. There was nothing to really drive us forward. Um, you know, it it just. Bale's not going to cover. Uh, you know, Aurier when he makes those runs forward. You know, Regian had a, a, a stinker of a game. He looked great going forward, but uncomfortable defensively, and and you know, it, it was a nightmare, man. It was just not great, and. I don't think that we really first off I don't think Mason put out the team that that should have been out against Leeds um, and I don't think he gave himself the tools on the bench to make the changes needed uh, to solve some of those problems so it, was, it was rough all around
0: yeah no question there Brian I want to come to you any um, any other feedback or perspective on the lineups what'd you see today
1: um, I mean, as usual, I, I think uh, S- Stephen's analytical acumen is pretty, pretty high. Um, I, to me, I just, uh, I mean, uh, we were uh, on the WhatsApp. We're talking like I literally was Googling Joe Rodon injured uh, to be just to confirm for myself that I didn't miss that. No, he's perfectly healthy. And apparently from you know, people who actually were there at the practice seemed like he was performing well. There was I think there was probably I did a quick look. It looks like kind of the. Uh, Spurs uh, Spurs Twitter, like the actual press folks that follow the team were kind of surprised he didn't at least make the bench. Um, but I just, I, I, I think one of the central questions here is, is Mason for the rest of the season going to be a, a friend? Like he's the guy who was there like in, you know, the, the early prime of guys like Deli and guys like Harry Kane. Um, and he's going to be like, a a buddy of theirs you know like the classic like player manager type or is he going to be a real manager make some really like hard decisions piss off some of his you know friend people that he's been friends with for eight nine years um i based on the substitutions today i'm not I'm, i'm not totally sure he's willing to just you know make the cutthroat decisions both when it comes to subs which we saw today and in terms of the lineup um you know dyer i think is a sympathetic choice for him but I think Dyer is like, I mean, he needs to be traded down to like somebody in the championship or something. Like, I, I can't believe that, you know, we turned down an offer, I think from Manchester United for like $60 million for this guy, like three or four seasons ago, he's playing like yeah. a ghost, a, a shell of his former self. Um, and I, <clears throat> but I completely agree with Steven that, that like Rodon not being on the bench, Tanganga not being on the, it's just, it's inexplicable. They're both healthy. They're both vastly superior to what we have out there right now.
2: You know, it's funny you mentioned Dyer because, you know, last week we were talking about how he had a good game in him. Um, but it's, you know, it, again, it comes down to the tactics, right? He is not somebody who can be pressured for 90 minutes. Um, that entire defense really isn't. And as soon as that happens, we saw everything that makes Dyer a liability come out today. You know, same with Rodon, uh, not Rodon, same with Region and same with Arier. Poor Toby's trying to marshal a bunch of guys who, you know, are kind of out of their depth uh, when it comes to defending.
0: And Toby's one of the oldest guys on the pitch, trying to trying to keep it all together. Um, has the least speed of of the whole the whole batch, right? Brian, you touched on a question that we've been we were going to talk about, and I want to I want to throw this to Mike. Um, you know, on the topic of. Spurs managers, you know, it was Mourinho, obviously Mason now, but the question of subbing out underperforming guys and, and being loyal to guys to a fault, Mike, what's your perspective on that? Like, are we just, is this show as we finish out the rest of this season, is this going to be take care of your buddies and uh, let them have a good run and screw everybody else? What's it going to look like?
3: I mean, I mean, it sure is how it looks like it at this point. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, f- just from the, from the jump, like, I don't understand the lack of defensive options against a team. Like you said last week, Bielsa ball, like that, that attack, attack, attack and, and can counterattack as well. So I don't understand the lack of defensive options, but you know, I, I also kind of don't understand the lack of Tanguy and Um, when Lucelso has had two matches in a row where he was, he's mostly ineffective. I I forgot that he was even on the pitch in the first half, it, which is it just mind boggling to me. So when you, it's like basically having winks in there. So you have no linking play between your, between your back guys and your midfielders. Um, and then, like you said, when Steve, Steve talked about, um, you know, Steve talked about Dyer being back there. Um, it, he just looks like he's lost. You know, I don't, under, I, I don't understand the tactics. I, I, um, but then, you know, so, so it looks like, yeah, he's putting his buddies out there. Um, he's, but at the same time, you know, it, 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 it can't be stated enough that he's not running this team. I I don't know that he's making these, these hard decisions, these hard choices to put, to put out players on the team sheet. You know, I I think what we said earlier about him getting some show ponies out there for, for transfers so we can make some money off of this stuff. Um, I got a feeling that we're going to, we're going to end up being like wolves last year, just sell everybody and hopefully stay mid table you know, at this point, I don't see them. I don't see Levy spending any money, but I see him selling a bunch of people. And I, at this point can see him selling Harry Kane. Um, and it's not like Ryan Mason's going to have anything to say about it. Um, so yeah, Ryan Mason puts his buddies out there, but probably at the behest of Daniel Levy and board. You know, so
0: Mike just Mike just said could see uh, Levy selling selling Kane. Steve and I I think are like minded that we um, we don't think there's a way to sell Kane right now. Brian, I'm curious about your potential perspective on that question. Do you do you think Kane is with us come next season? How, how do you think that plays out?
1: I think he is. Um, I think it, no, almost no matter how much money you get for him, I don't think that you easily give up a guy who consistently scores 26 goals for you, you just can't, you can't buy five replacements that are going to easily make up that total for you. I mean, what is it? 26 goals, 13, 14 assists. Like that's a, I mean, you talk about like, uh, you know, in baseball, they have like the wins above replacement. <laughs> like Harry Kane is an entire season worth of wins above his replacement value. Like if you replace them with somebody who's just average, um, I, I think unless you're talking like, Above Neymar-level money? No, absolutely not. Um, I, I, I mean, I, and I just don't, that's not just my preference. I think that that's Levy business thinking, is you re-sign him because it'd be way too complicated to just, if you're just looking at the goals and assists, um, not just goals and assists, but also like expected goals as well, expected assists as well, all the chances created, he's a freak. He's like off the charts in every statistical category. Um, I just don't think that the money that we would get for him is worth the loss of all of that. He does so much for the team, um, often with not all that much help. So, I mean, I, I think if you're, it, Spurs are trying to be a little more analytical these days, right? A little less kind of shoot from the hip like they were in, say, like the Tim Sherwood era, uh, for example. Um I think the analytical take on this is that that just doesn't make any sense south of $350 million, which I, at this point with his ankles this season, I'm not sure anyone's going to be off.
3: Is, does, do you think though, um, and maybe I'm being a little bit cynical here about this, but do you think Harry Kane, who, you know, in, in, that, in that interview seemed like, you know, I want to go play for a team that's going to get me trophies, um, he could have been talking about Spurs, but do you think that you know that he has it in him to pull what Erickson pulled? You know, if we keep him at the club, I don't think I don't think so. But I, I think if if he gets sold, if he truly wants out and he gets sold, um, because of that, then it's Levy or it's it's the board saying, listen, we respect you, we respect you know what you've done for the club we're gonna do this for you um I, I don't necessarily I don't think I, w- I don't want it to happen I just I'm just asking I,
1: re, I re-listened to that interview I it, it, the second time I listened to it not just like the clip but like the whole thing it came off a little bit more and you can disagree disagree with me if you want it came off a little bit more I almost interpreted it as like a challenge to Levy to like step up and get him a team that was going to win a championship. It seemed a little bit like broadcast of an exit. I know that was the headline, but it seemed a little more aimed at like, I want to be on, a, I want to be like, I want to be on a theoretical Spurs team that's going to win championships. That, yeah, like, there's,
3: there's definitely something lost yeah. between the text and the, and the actual interview in that too. Um, but
2: you know, I, it's hard to ignore that. Right. You know, the thing for me that like, let, let's just, you know, play a game here. We, you know, PSG comes in. Cause honestly, I think they're the only team capable of doing it. They come in and offer stupid, crazy money for Kane. The biggest problem for me is, you know, our chief scout is Steve Hitchin who has done fuck all for us, you know, over the last couple of seasons. I mean, even if we had a whole bunch of cash to spend on on new players, I just don't think we have the structure as a as a club to get anybody worthwhile.
0: I want to point out, Mike. I think you're, uh what you posed as the question was a very cynical challenge. I just want to point that out and use a, a nice English term for you. Um, we love I, those English terms. We we love. We're going to identify those when we can. I want to I want to kind of jump in with with Brian. You know, I I think um, I think it is the the challenge to Levy. I think it's the the reality of Kane knows that there's nowhere he can go because he costs too much. Um, and I, I think his age is questionable in terms of, you know, big money to go somewhere else. That's that's just me. I'm also really curious about the whole concept of guys saying they want to be in a position to win trophies, you know, and and the reason I'm I'm skeptical of that is there's only so many trophies to go around. Let let's be honest. Every Every professional athlete wants to win. I think if you play in world football, you have a lot more chances to win a trophy than you do, for example, if you play in the NBA or in the in the NFL, where there's really only one trophy to get. But um, there's only a few to go around, and and uh, I know a lot of guys across the Premier League might be disappointed at not winning a trophy this year, and and for that being the only thing, you know, I I don't buy it. I mean, maybe I just don't understand the sport well enough to to make good sense of that. But I'm just not yeah, buying it. I, mean, I think he's around.
3: Look at the Matthews brothers in the NFL, you know, those guys didn't win shit and they stayed with Houston and Cleveland forever. Yeah. You know? and, 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 and let's be
0: honest. I mean, you know, when I was, when I was came 27 or eight, I forget how old he you is. You? you know, he, he looks like an old man on the pitch and he's 28 years old, you know, but, um, he doesn't have a whole lot of time in him, in my opinion. You know, I, I think Harry Kane is one of those guys that we're going to see start to decline sooner than anyone would like um, just because of his history with injuries. And, and the fact that that stuff racks up on you, look at somebody like LeBron James. Now, you know, LeBron James to, to go to basketball, maybe one of the best athletes on the planet, certainly one of the best basketball players in the world, but he has fallen off the tracks because the body just takes a pounding. And, and um, I worry about whoever signs Kane to a long-term deal beyond the current, they're, they're going to end up, they're going to end up paying for it. Uh, I look at baseball. I look at Albert Pujols, who, you know, just, just uh, yesterday or two days ago was let go uh, in the midst of one of the most expensive contracts on the books because he just wasn't bringing it anymore. The, these guys yeah. get old and it becomes a problem. I
1: was thinking about the same thing. Cause they, they always talk about how, uh, in terms of minutes played per season, LeBron James is like, has been consistently about like the number one player for the entire time he's been in the NBA. I think right now he's getting, I think the only person who's played more minutes and more playoff minutes than him is like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And I had the exact same thought Dave, this week about Harry Kane. Cause it's, and it's also, it's not like he's, you know, um, it, you guys know I am uh, my ultimate rider guy is Christian Erickson. Uh, and good Lord, could we use a Christian Erickson right now? Uh, I think in retrospect, they should have just paid him to shut up and be happy personally. But, um, but Harry Kane has played not just a lot of minutes, but a lot of rough minutes. He's gotten his ass kicked consistently every season. But at the same time, Dave, I was also looking at his stats going back to 20. I think it was 14 was the graph that I saw. He's better. Now he's scoring more and assisting more now than he did in 2014, 2015. So like, at the same time, you know, remember when he was a one-season wonder three seasons in a row? He's better now than he was then. So technically, I mean, if we're looking at it, even with injuries, he's still on the upswing, right? He's still getting better. And that this new position that he's found is like more of like a playmaker goal scorer rather than a pure, you know, striker. And, you know, as we were joking today, I was joking today. If his FIFA finishing score is anything less than 100, percent I'm gonna like write a strongly worded letter to EA. I think, but um, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I, he, he, I
3: think it's somewhere in the realm of 89.
1: <laughs> get out of town! I'm, start, I'm gonna write a letter today. Start those but, strong uh, words. <laughs> but I mean, you see what I'm saying, though. I mean, from like a contractual standpoint, like I totally get you on the minutes played and they've been hard minutes. But at the same time, he's like, you. I think, and actually like this new role that he's found this season, even though he still got destroyed in his ankles a couple of times, this seems to be like, not just like a good adaptation to his game, like away from that pure striker role. It's not, just it, it, it's not just better from like a sustainability standpoint, um, you know, how hard are the minutes that he's played, but also clearly it's more productive. He's breaking his own records right now. So, I mean, I, again, yet another reason why I think, if you're if you're trying to look at this dispassionately and I know I'm, I'm I'm a homer for Kane and I don't want him to go, I'm trying not to let that cloud my judgment too much. But I just think from like an analytical standpoint, the cost benefit to letting him go is unacceptable for Spurs. You can't you can't replace that kind of productivity.
2: Yeah, yeah I, think, you know, I think you pretty much nailed it. The other thing that really gets on my nerves whenever they, because it, it always comes up, right? Oh, he's got a, you know, he wants to win, he wants to win trophies. Everybody wants to win trophies. Yeah, it, you know, if Spurs were constantly getting bounced from all the competitions, you know, early on, sure. But we've had a couple of cup finals and just haven't performed. Like the the opportunities to win those trophies are there, and we just don't show up for those games, or you know, the tactics are wrong. The, personnel is wrong you know there's always something going on so it's not for a lack of, of choice you know we we've gotten there we've gotten to the point where we can win something but then nobody shows up we play a horrible game and and you know it's like when when we lost a city you saw all the tears coming off it's like yeah you know it's all sad but you guys didn't show up for the game like it was it was a, an abysmal performance for the most part um you know, I mean, and Steve, and, to
1: your point as well, though, like, it's amazing how short our memories are. We were in the Champions League final two summers ago. Yeah, like, I mean, and like, it feels like a lifetime ago, not just because of the pandemic, but also, you know, by the way, does, does all of this situation right now when we're talking about do we want to sell players wholesale? Do you want to do this? Uh, to me, this is the vindication of Pochettino. He was right. We did need like a, a, a large scale change at the club. We did need to uh, make a lot of moves that Levy didn't want to, didn't want to, you know, I, I mean, and, and I get it also, you took the, you just took this team to a champions league final. Um, but it's, I think Pochettino probably had the diagnosis, right. About what needed to happen to this team two years ago.
0: So let's, let's jump on the coaching thing. And Steve, I want to come to you. Um, I want to talk about Mason and whether, whether Mason is out of his depth or where the tactical ceiling is for him. Like what's your read on, on, uh, where Mason can go as a coach?
2: You know, I, I, he's still young, so he's he's definitely got room to grow. But what I've seen over these last couple of games is, you know, he found something that worked for him once, and I just don't think he's got the tactical depth in his, you know, locker right now to do much more than the one thing. You know, it's like uh, it's like that guy playing football, right? You get the hail mary to work once. And then every play you want to do after that is the exact same thing. And then you're like, well, you know, it's not working anymore. People are smart to it. They're, they're, they've uh, wisened up. They're covering uh, the guys that I want to pick out. Like, what do I do? I don't think he's got a plan B and from the way that the, the guys were playing today, it really didn't look like they had a plan B at all. You know, things started to go wrong and rather than make adjustments and, and tweaks, they just doubled down and went, you know What? Let's just keep going at it. You know, yeah, we got the goal. Great job by Delhi, by the way. You know, I, I got to give credit where it's due. He's, he's been revitalized under Mason. He's been performing back to his best. The problem is, you know, nobody else really is. Um, you know, Bale, Bale had some good runs. Um, you know, Cade and Son, they, they looked invisible most of the time. Um, but I think the biggest problem is just that, you know, Leeds had our number, from a tactical perspective and there was just no alternative for us to, to play differently we had to keep going with with what we had it, it just i don't know maybe maybe somebody else is a, a different read but to me it was like they train all week for one style and if it doesn't work that's it there's nothing else for them to really throw out there and you know you saw at the end of the game the body language was abysmal you know nobody they gave up they absolutely gave up it's like, yeah, this isn't working. What else do I have? And, and you know, you can point to the players for, for lack of effort. But, you know, I, I, I got to say, I, it, it does feel like it's on Mason's shoulders for not having that plan B ready to go.
3: I, th- I think that you can see um, Mason's lack of experience in that, in exactly what you said, which is if it's not working, well, fuck it. We're going to stick with it because we don't have anything else. They certainly don't want to go back trying to play that defensive catastrophe that Mourinho showed us for 17 months, you know, and, or whatever it was. And, and right now, the guys are just fucking gassed. You know, our big players that make a difference are gassed. So they get out there they're playing this new style that they're not fit to play. Then, of course, they're gonna they're gonna fizzle out around the sixtieth minute, and anything bad that happens to them is gonna is gonna be compounded by the fact that they're tired as fuck. That's a great point, Mike.
0: Absolutely great point. Yeah, not fit to play that style in a number of ways, right? that that's um, that's a fantastic point. Let's get back to today and just just hit on anything else we wanted to talk about from from the match. Did you see anything you liked? Did you see anyone stepping up and performing in in ways that were um, encouraging or pleasing? Uh, Brian, any anybody jump out at
1: you? Um, by the way, I just looked it up. Harry Kane is twenty seven. He'll be twenty eight in July. Twenty seven, so. um, and, and he's the really the player. Uh, I mean, I, I I I'm also trying to sanity check myself a little bit. We were a toenail away from equalizing at two two, right? I mean, and again, as we've seen all season. Gold production. I mean, today, like that, that, if that's two, two, that's a different game, right? Everything plays differently. If that's two, two. Um, And then I think Mason really can get it into their heads. Like, Hey, we're playing for the win. We need the points, like get, get in motion. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think the, the problem as it has been all season is defense that back four is porous. The only person who knows what they're doing. And I was, I was waiting for Steven to uh, rag on Toby, but he carefully avoided that, which thank you because we would have, we would have had to have words on that one. What what it reminded me of was uh, the last season. I think it was Tim Sherwood's last season. um, It was uh, how, remember when Jan Vertagen was basically our only like center back with, you know, uh, a mild IQ and he played dirty. Right. He played like a dirty, like nasty player. And that's because everyone around him, like basically left him hanging. So he had to make these like stupid fouls. He got, you know, several red cards uh, over the course of like, I think the, those three seasons, I think he had at least one red card per season. And then Toby Aldevarold shows up and all of a sudden, well, I mean, it also helps that they've played together since they were nine, but uh, that's Belgian core center backs. All of a sudden everything else kind of straightened up right? That made the midfield better because, you know, like those two guys like took care of stuff. They were great positional players. They played well together and they set up, they could play out from the back and they could set up the midfield to be successful. Um, That Belgian core changed the whole trajectory, I think of Spurs for several years. Right now it feels like we, you know, we let Jan Vertonghen, you know, walk out with like a, you know, an ice cream social best of luck in Italy or wherever. Um, And you know they gave now him a watch too ice cream social <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah oh yeah thank you yeah. Portugal. <laughs> thank you for your service um <laughs> but but i mean now we're back to now it's flipped right we don't have Vertonghen and Toby Aldervell is left hanging as the only class player on that back line so to me like everything comes back to we need a solution at center back which might be Rodon um and we need more reliable winger wingers and certainly like a right-hand winger like Serge Aurier not I I just don't. There's such a class difference between the way that Tanganga's been playing in the handful of matches that we've seen him in, um, and Serge Aurier or God forbid Davidson Sanchez, right? So, uh, when when he occasionally would shift over to the right in a back three under Mourinho, so to me, it's like if we're gonna invest in Rodon, let's invest in him, if we're gonna invest in Tanganga, let's invest in him. But regardless, I think we got like so. You asked me who impressed today, Toby impressed me because, as usual great positional play. Well, like, you know, uh, Dyer was a complete liability. Toby covered for him several times. Um, he's just, you know, he's 31, but he's masterful. Like I think he's a really, a truly still world-class defender. I think he probably will be for several more years. He doesn't have to be as fast as he was when he was 25 because he's smarter than most of the people that are attacking him and he's a great positional player. So I, I yeah. if, if it weren't for Toby, I think this could have been four Five, five, you know, like Leeds was really on the press, and he single-handedly took care of several really dangerous situations.
2: You know, I'm going to throw a metaphor out there that's uh, maybe a little different from some of the sports ones we've been throwing out there. This, this is a shout out to anybody who's ever worked in a sort of project management role, whether it's you know at, at your job or you know maybe you were trying to you know get a bunch of people in college together or high school or whatever to you know work on a project together it's like herding cats, right? You've got one person who seems to know what they're doing and they're trying to get a whole bunch of other guys around them to just help them out a little bit. And it it can be so challenging when you've got people that you know, should know better. And they just constantly need to need their hands held, you know, and and I'm so glad Brian, that you brought up, uh, you know, Toby and Bertin again, because, that's, that's like the perfect example of when you finally get somebody on board who knows what they're doing and suddenly it's not as heavy a load to lift, right? Like you can share the burden across, um, you know, a flatter surface. It's, it's, it makes things so much easier Um and Dave, to answer your question, I mean, for me, I got to say it's Delhi. Like he was the one person out there who looked like yep. he had some kind of creativity to push forward. You know, Lo Celso was Great trying game
1: from Delhi. Playing, but,
2: um, you know, Delhi was the one who was, you know, getting into positions and trying to unlock players. And um, the one other person that I saw with any sort of creativity going forward was Ndombele and he had 10 minutes to do something. You know, he had one beautiful pass that cut through three players. It would have had somebody in on goal. Son was standing still. Kane was standing still. There was nobody making any kind of a run into that space. It, it just makes me wish we had him on the field, you know, from, from minute one, doing that kind of thing, especially with Delhi, Like if, if the both of them were trying to make stuff happen going forward and, and being creative and trying to just, you know, cut through, uh, uh, the Leeds midfield, maybe we have a different game, but instead we had 80 minutes of, uh, Celso just trying his best and, and not quite getting what we need. Um, yeah, it, it get, was really rough.
0: Don't get me started on Lo Celso, Steve, but, uh, you did just say something that triggered me and this is not something I liked, but something that you and I both dislike. And you said standing around, um, for, for another week, saw multiple opp- opportunities where even our guy Hoybier who we have you know shouted his praises all year but he seems more and more tired every week like calling for offsides raising the hand and stopping in their tracks and um being wrong right like that that attribute of not playing to the whistle drives me absolutely nuts and we saw that saw that again this week mike i'm i'm wondering your opinion on that um in terms of the, the hustle and the finishing the the play and, and getting things done, what's your take? That's kind of the
3: culture and soccer, right, though? I mean, you, you don't just see it with Spurs. You see it all the time. These guys throwing their hands up, throwing their hands up, and they want the call. You know, half the time, though you see it a lot more with Spurs, but, I mean, I don't know they're that – because i'm such a new fan that there's that level of coaching that says play through to the whistle because guys fall on the ground and then they stay down on the ground for 30 30 seconds while the the play is happening on the other end of the field you know and i and i and i'm going to call out uh on, on that because that guy is a typical example of what we of what people complain about with soccer. He goes down when he gets barely touched and it's in a wide open, wide open position. He goes down like somebody shot him and with no fans in the stands, you really hear, you hear the, the scream, acting, the acting yeah. going on. And when he doesn't get to call, he pops back up and runs to the other end of the field. I hate that, you know, and you're right. It does. It does suck. But I think it's a, it's a culture in soccer where that's what they do. You know, coming from football, if we didn't play through the whistle, guess what happens? You're coach takes you out. Yeah, coach no takes question. you out. They, they don't have the opportunity to do that in soccer. You have, you have three substitutions.
1: I mean, to Dave's question, though, like, I think there's a class thing here. Like, I mean, defenders in particular, uh, Dave, I'm totally with you. It me absolutely bonkers when like, oh, I stopped running because it was obviously offside. Moron, you don't decide that. Like <laughs> right, I mean, I'm t- right. totally with you. Play to the whistle, um but also you'll note Toby doesn't stop, right? Toby, keep, to- Toby, go. He might put his arm up, but he's sprinting while he's doing it. Virgil Van true, Dyke true, doesn't true. do it. PSG's entire back line doesn't do it, right? So like the class organizations out there, the class defenders, of which we have one, um, like it's it's again it's a mindset thing, and that's the reason, like. I've been saying on, on previous pods with you guys, like uh, having Toby bark orders to people is a great thing. And I want more of it. I just wish there was another, I wish there was a Jan Vertonghen uh, or, it, you know, some other reliable part of that core that could also do it. But I, I, think, like, we I saw, think it's just the, I, I just think defenders, it, I think it's a little different with like a midfielder or an attacker versus like a, a defender stopping because he assumes that the guy's offsides. Very, I, I think I saw like, that
3: earlier in the season too, Brian, though, like with, with uh, Hoiberg, you know, he was out there being a field general, and for whatever reason, he stopped. So I don't, I, I don't even know what to what to think anymore. Toby can't be the only guy out there. You got to have that somebody in the midfield that's gonna, that's gonna link what Toby's saying to the to the forwards,
1: and uh, you know, is it possible that Hoiberg is energetic but dumb?
3: Oh no, it's very possible. I mean athletes in general like if you're not one of the field generals out there you're probably pretty dumb
0: Hoybier was on that third goal today was the first one that stopped the first one to put his hand up and the first one yeah. to stop in his tracks and just left that entire left side wide open
2: guys i i so i just want to pick your braids get get a live reaction um i just saw ali g had posted um you know, the transcript from the uh, post-match with Ryan Mason. And there's a quote that I want to read to you guys from Ryan Mason. So somebody had asked, uh, you know, with everything at stake, was the desire there and did you see enough from your players? And Ryan Mason came out and said, and I quote, the players showed they wanted to win.
0: That's that's bullshit. It's not true. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not true. It's not
3: true. And it, I think that goes back to our point that he's not in charge
0: yeah those are platitudes those are those those are 100%. coach coach clichés right like that's that's what the coach is supposed to say and hey we can make that argument that the you know to the media the coach is going to protect the guys and really hammer it home in the, in the locker room i'm sorry in the dressing room i got to use the, the appropriate term um english english that, that was for you mike that was for you but you know what i mean like the problem is we don't think mason has the the wavos to that's not english to address that in the <laughs> locker room right like there's he, if you if you do one, you got to do the other, and I don't think he's got that. Yeah, that's my I, I think
2: you're spot on, Dave. Like I, I, I honestly think it. You know, yeah, he's probably saying that to the media, but I honestly think that he looked at that game and thought, you know what, they did a good job, and that's just to quote you, bullshit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, Steve, why do I get all excited? We, about I got all excited what? when you were like reading a quote from Ryan Mason. I was like, here we go. He's going to light them up in the media. Like maybe they'll actually play with some heart here for the last three games. No, no. Uh, I, I was, I, I'm the, my biggest surprise with Mason and sorry, Dave, I, this is mildly off topic, but just, he's the coach of the U23 squad, right? Or 21, 23. Um, he's intimately aware of everybody in the entire youth Academy. And apparently when he was like, like working with U squads, they were full on like, you know, Gengen pressing to use a Jurgen Kloppism, like crazy. And they were winning, right? I mean, the U21 and U23 squads are apparently like pretty good. Um, They're very good, yeah. Right. So I'm a little surprised. First of all, we we haven't seen more call-ups to the first team, at least to be like part of the first team training squads. And second of all, like, why are we going with the Mourinho traditional lineup? when you know he's clearly oriented towards younger players and a and a higher press attacking style it just it's very confusing and i mean but maybe to your point from before if he's not pulling the strings maybe that's his instinct maybe that's what he wants to do and somebody's like mm, no we got to we got to put these guys on on show for the summer transfer window
3: yeah i think that might be it i really do
0: um, so
3: i just got to i got to let you guys know i got to i got to bounce here cuz i got to get lucas over to his game but um, I just wanted to, I just want to say thanks to everybody. And, uh, and you guys, you, you too, with the youngins there, um, don't ever buy your kids, the laceless boots, man, boots. I said, it, Dave boots, English. Don't, don't even ever buy those, those laceless, those laceless shoes. Cause they are a nightmare. Mike, do you have a boot room in your house? Um, I, I my son, my son, I think, um, is pretty sure that he's, Uh, sponsored by adidas um so he everything he has is adidas and he has probably six pairs of shoes he's got he's got turf shoes he's got two pairs of turf shoes he's got two pairs of uh uh, of outdoor shoes one for i don't know wet turf one for dry turf with longer spikes or whatever he's got uh capitalism baby (laughs) <laughs> Futsal Food, shoes, you know, for the hard court stuff. Like, it's insane. You know, saying When you, I was a kid, you my are the problem were
0: like, "You know, you know that, right? You are the problem."
3: I, and I'm, I, yeah, I'm the problem because I, I allow it to happen, and and it comes <laughs> out of my bank account. <laughs> there you go. You know, so back in the day I, I when wanna... we
0: were kids, right? Back in the day. Exactly.
3: But uh, I just want to say thanks to everyone. Everybody uh, out there, uh, be safe and uh, enjoy the rest of the pod, guys.
0: Thanks, Mike. We'll see you around. Uh, right, and we'll, we'll probably wrap this up. The rest of us have some time commitments this morning anyway. So let's just wrap up with one kind of quick question. And that is we were all hoping for a win this morning. We all were probably um, skeptically looking like, yeah, if top four is within reach, I think we know that's not the case anymore. So here's the question. What's your prediction on final, final place in the table? Where, where do you think, based on three games left, uh, Wolves, Villa and Leicester, where do you think we land, uh, Let's just say anywhere from fourth to tenth. Do you do you think we land anywhere on that spectrum? And if so, where is it, Brian? What's your reaction?
1: I'm going to say fifth. I think we're going to be achingly. I I think there are going to be some mishaps. Uh, I was looking at the 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 schedules coming up for like you know West Ham and some of the other folks that are that are above us. There's a real possibility of some some you know some upsets there. Uh, So we could benefit from underperformance by. Um, some teams above us and I think that like you know Wolves and Villa should be those are I think we can say uh, easier matchups than Leeds. Leeds has played very exciting energetic football this entire season. Uh, A good friend of mine has pronounced herself as long as Spurs aren't playing them which that was her condition uh, but as long as Spurs aren't playing them she's pronounced herself a Leeds fan just because of the like this she really likes that style. Um, So you know, I think Wolvesville, Leicester, I mean, we could, we could actually, there's a scenario where we actually have our fate in our own hands for the last game of the season, uh, just like last season. Um, so I'm, I'm saying fifth, I think we play Europa League football.
0: All right. All right. Thanks, Brian. Steve, what's your take? What do you think?
2: I'm a little less optimistic. Um, you know, I, I, think Brian's spot on. We've got our fate in our own hands, especially going down to the last day. The problem is if we play like we did today, um i think we'll be lucky to stay in seventh when all is said and done um i don't know that we drop lower than seventh um it's possible sure but um i I honestly it you know it's classic spurs you you know we could get every result going our way from now to the end of the season that would essentially just put us right where we want to be and we will lose every game as a result just, you know, because that 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 is the way. You know, that's just how we operate. Um, I, I it, it really bothers me that Spurs so consistently do that. Um, you know, we, we could have just as easily made this so simple for ourselves in getting that fifth or even fourth place spot just by playing well and getting the win today but we didn't do that. And now I'm looking at the, you know, next three games and I think Brian's spot on, you know, the next two are probably going to be easier on paper. Um, But I I just don't know that Spurs are going to be up for the task. Um, You know, I, I hope I'm wrong. You know, I hope Brian is the one who is spot on in his analysis, but, and maybe I'm a little cynical because it's so close to the game and I haven't given it enough time to, you know, really sit with me. Um, but yeah, I think seventh, uh, if we're lucky, is, is the highest we get right now. And uh, I'm going to be, um, you know, hoping that, that I'm wrong and, and Brian's the one with the astute analysis here. Hey, Winston Churchill
1: said, uh, I, for one, am an optimist. There doesn't seem to be much sense of being anything else. So I'm just, I'm just going with Churchill on the end of this season.
2: Uh, that's... English, yeah. right?
0: Can't necessarily argue with that. Yeah, I I think I agree with Steve. And I'm sorry, Brian, I, I tend to be pretty optimistic. But in this case, um, you know, aside from a, a, a purple patch, there's another English term for you, um, a purple patch from like Thanksgiving to Christmas, we are exactly who we've been all season long. And uh, to me, that's a sixth or seventh place in the table type of team. I think we, we, um, even though we'll have things in our hands, I don't think we are strong enough tactically or energy wise at this point to do much with having our our fate in our hands. And I, my hunch is we land about seventh. Um, and my hunch is we land in that newly formed Europa conference league joyride, And, um, you know, are, are tasked with that new, that new European opportunity and miss out on Europa because, you know, otherwise it's, hoping on various outcomes from champions league and Europa and FA cup, like to, to, you know, the things to have different permutations that result in us maybe slipping into something. So I'm calling seventh and Europa conference and hoping for better, hoping Brian's right. Um, guys, I appreciate the, the dialogue
1: well, today. You're, you're going to have to have me back for what we will then call the vindication pod.
0: Yeah. Let's um, have the Brian <laughs> was right pod. I, uh, let, let's, let's put it on the books right now. Uh, hopefully in late May, I'd love to have that one. That'd be good. <laughs> Hey guys, appreciate your time today. And uh, to all of our listeners out there, we're we're grateful for you as well. We are up to scores of listeners. We're beyond dozens. We are at scores at this point in time. And um, you can find us on Twitter at Wicked Spurs. You can find us on Facebook. We uh, record every week and we will continue to do so and we enjoy it. And we hope that you do as well. So fellas, um, thank you for your time today. As always, come on you Spurs, get those vaccinations. If you have not already and appreciate all of you. Yeah.
3: Hey, come you. on you
0: Spurs. Cheers.